Hello again, Gator Nation, and welcome to a special recruiting episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I'm your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at All Kinds Weather and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. My co-host Dustin Smith is with me today. You can follow him on Twitter at IAKOW Dustin. And as mentioned at the top, today we got a lot of recruiting news to talk about. Uh, in, in game terms, Florida went three and one on the recruiting trail this past week, meaning the Gators picked up three commitments and lost out on one. We'll talk about all that momentarily. But before we get to that, as always, quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We're proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, first and foremost, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. The Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans and uses those donations to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. We'll pay for all expenses, including flights, rental cars, hotels, game tickets and gear and swag, all kinds of stuff to make sure that the candidate, well, I guess the recipient will have the swamp experience of a lifetime. We are looking for someone to send to the swamp in 2022 for the Gators game against Missouri on October 8th. If you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor, please reach out to us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. We are also looking for donations. To donate to our cause, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the Donate button. And while you're on the website, you can also look around and see the campaigns we've done in previous years. Secondly, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients, whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One is it is a veteran-owned business, can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. And number two, it is run by a Florida Gator alum. So yes, they do great work, but they do great work and they're owned by a University of Florida alum and big Gator fan who happens to be a U.S. veteran. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. And with that said, Dustin's on. Um, Dustin, I know you're really excited about the state of recruiting right now, at least compared to a week ago, um, relatively yeah. speaking, because Florida just got three guys that I know you've been very high on, and we'll talk about them each momentarily uh, individually. But Dustin, now now that the dust has settled in the recruiting world, at least somewhat as of Wednesday morning, how are you feeling about this class moving forward with the boost we just got over the last week? Neil, I know that there's obviously high expectations. I mean, we've talked about it at nauseum. Billy Napier came in with the expectation that this is a talent acquisition business. Obviously, with the hiring of uh, Katie Turner amongst the rest of the staff, um, we should have high expectations for recruiting. We're, we're not a top 10 university in terms of recruiting, we're a top five, if not top three university. And of course, that hasn't shown up on the field, that hasn't shown up on the recruiting trail, but that should be the expectation. The expectation is to win championships. And as we've talked about several times, if your expectation is to win championships, 
then your expectation needs to recruit at a championship level. And the way to do that is to recruit in the top five in the nation. Um, so there is high expectations. And I think that we're, we're not quite there. Obviously, there, there's, uh, there's still ways to go. Um, and as I put on Twitter, it's not December yet. We'll, we'll evaluate the recruiting class in December. I know, obviously, the residual signing day is in February of 2023, and we'll get to that. Um, but we'll, we'll pretty much know what this class will look like in December. And then we'll obviously do a show and we'll evaluate it. Um, but for now, I think things are good. There's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of top five, top 10, top 15 talent in the country that has visited. We just have to, we just have to get it, you know? Um, we'll talk a little more about, about Denson in, in, in a few minutes. But, I mean, alongside him, you got the possibility of getting Cormani McLean. If we get him, that would be the splash get of, of the recruiting class. Um, he's certainly interested, and I think if we get him along some of the other five-star, high four-star players alongside the talent we've already accrued, I think we'll be in good shape. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely share the, the optimism with guys like Cormani McLean. Um, I mean, th- there are a lot of other players on the board for Florida just because, I mean, I know that the fan base was kind of – not kind of – was highly irritated by the loss of Jaden Rashada to the Miami Hurricanes. But, uh, I mean, we'll talk about the QB position specifically in a bit, but Florida still has a lot of guys on the board. McLean is just one of many. I mean, I don't think – Florida has a great shot at, at someone like uh, like a Cedric Baxter, but they have a hat on the table for him. I don't think Florida's the favorite right now to land a Peyton Kirkland, but Florida certainly has a shot at him. And, of course, the season has still has to play itself out, which is the ultimate sales pitch uh, of, of any college football program, especially with a first-year head coach. Um, and and there, then there are guys that are trending Florida's way, like uh, you know, like McLean, like Will Norman. Um, maybe Florida can get in with some guys that they're not currently in with, and and change that perception. And all of a sudden, Florida is trending the right way for nine, ten, eleven different guys in the top, you know, one hundred and fifty or so of the rankings. So um, I definitely feel better about the class now than I did a week ago, as I'm sure you do, as I'm sure we all do. Um, and and we will talk about this more later on during the cycle but for those who who are still flipping out about the recruiting as of right now just just two things first of all we're still in june right now we're about to turn the calendar over to july but second of all with all due respect to folks like bill sykes and will miles i mean Start, starting the pot off heavy with some philosophical ideology, but I, I do think that we as a fan base need to chill a bit with the class rankings. I mean, they're, they're not completely useless. Like they definitely have their purpose and they're a very solid indicator for if you did a good job with your class or not, of course, but I don't think it's worth caring about having, you know, a, the number nine class versus the number 11 class. Like, well, are we going to finish top 15? Maybe we get top 10. It, it just doesn't matter if, if you're 10 versus 11, if you're five versus six, if you're four versus seven. I mean, if, if you're talking about a class ranked number three versus a class ranked 19, yeah, that's a difference. That's a big problem. But for those who are, are, are nitpicking, well, are we going to get a top 
five or top 10 or top 15. Let, let me just ask you this. And Dustin, I know you don't take the rankings as gospel, but I know that you care about them more than me. So let me just ask you this directly and you can respond on behalf of, of, the, of everyone else I'm addressing here. Here's the following scenario. You have a football team that on the field is pretty good. They have strengths at most positions. They need a QB. They need to beef up their defensive line and they need to boost their offensive line in a big way. I mean, the offensive line just sucks on this hypothetical team. A genie pops out of a bottle and he says to you, you have a choice. I can either give you the number one ranked class in the entire country, but you only sign two offensive linemen. So you, you will have not addressed your need there, which is arguably the biggest need you can possibly have in football aside from QB. Or you can sign the number 11 or 12 or 13 ranked class, but you sign seven offensive linemen, two of which are five stars, and we'll say four of the other five are high four stars, and the fifth and or the seventh lineman you sign is, is a low four star, but he's got some nice offers. So you're really addressing that big need you've got there, but the class is ranked number 12, we'll say. So you're not landing as much pure talent, but you do feel the biggest need you have. And we'll say with number one ranked class, we'll say you land a bunch of five-star corners. We'll say you land like a Derek Stingley and a Jason Marshall in the same class. And we'll say you can even land uh, you know, two or three five-star receivers or running backs, but you don't address your need in the trenches. You're upgrading positions you're already good at. You may be upgrading even at these positions, but you're going to be upgrading at positions you're already good at. Which do you take? Well, Neil, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very technical person, and I, I do think the class that you mentioned um, in terms of having all the, all the, five, the two five-star linemen, the seven linemen, I think that'd be a little higher than 11 or 12. I think you're probably looking at five, six, or seven with a class like that unless you – don't get anything else unless that class only has like 18 or 19 guys. But for All right, your fine. We'll say, sake, we'll say, we'll say, we'll say that that class finishes uh, number eight. Great. So yeah. clearly, so, clearly, just clearly outside technical. The top five. Sure. Right. Right. But, but I get the, I get the, the analogy. I get the, I get the, the hypothetical and I, to your point, and, I, and there's obviously a point you're trying to make, Neil, we, the Gators need to get, the talent on their team based on the needs that they have. And if the need is offensive linemen, then that's what you have to get. And if you're getting two five-star offensive linemen, that's a huge deal. If you're getting talent where you need, that's a huge deal. Um, it's not always, I mean, to not to not to extend out the analogy further, but a lot of us remember that 2000, that famed 2010 class. The, one, of the, one of the top recruiting classes of all time. And even with the recent AM class that just blew the socks off the rankings, I believe that class is still in the top three all time, that 2010 class. What did it amount to? What must champ had? One year where we almost made the national championship game, we lost to Georgia that year. 
But other than that, that class really didn't amount to anything. Why? Because we did not, we were not stacked in the areas that we needed to be stacked. We were sorely uh, slim, um, for lack of a better phrase, on the offensive line and, and on the line of scrimmage. We didn't have the depth in certain areas. Um, our defense was amazing, but we didn't, we didn't have the depth to score the points that needed to be scored in those critical games. We didn't beat Georgia. We, didn't, we, we, we couldn't do it in 2012, and obviously we know the train wreck that happened after that. So, Neil, you're 1,000% you're right. It's critical that we get the players that we need at the positions of need. And, and thus, you're saying that, that you're willing to take a little bit of a hit. Not a huge hit. We're not talking about finishing, you know, two versus 26. But we're talking about, you know, you're willing to drop from – and th again, this is just hypothetical. But you're willing, in theory, to drop from the number one overall class to number eight if the Gators emphatically check off the need at offensive line. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, this might be even more relevant. I know that we, we're, all, we're obviously going to talk about – I need to probably stop saying obviously, but you know what I mean. We're going to talk about the quarterback situation with Rashada and what, where we go from here. But I have to ask you, would you rather sign two five-star offensive linemen and not have a quarterback or not sign any elite offensive lineman and have the quarterback that you want? Well, now you're now you're asking me if I'd basically if I'd rather be Georgia or if I'd rather be Mississippi State in 2018, um, or hell, even Florida in 2019, where you have your quarterback but your offensive line just isn't worth anything. Um, I'll take the offensive line if if and and Florida does have this if I will take the offensive line if you have a very very good if not better than very very good stable of running backs. Because then you can just run the ball all day long, and when, when one running back gets tired, say uh, Montrell Johnson is running back number one, hand him the ball twenty times. When he gets tired, here's Lorenzo Lingard. The defense is getting tired, but here's fresh legs with Lingard, and then he gets tired. Well, guess what? Here comes Naquan Wright and his fresh legs. So I, I'll take the offensive line if the running back stable is deep and it is very good or better. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's great to have a generational quarterback, but I mean, you can win a national championship without it. Like Georgia did it last year, Alabama did it several times early on in Saban's tenure. I mean, Greg McElroy wasn't a great quarterback. Uh, AJ McCarron wasn't a great quarterback. Jacob Coker wasn't a great quarterback. But there's Alabama winning the national title in 2009, 2011, 2012, 2015. LSU in 2007 with Matt Flynn. He wasn't a great quarterback. He threw for he threw for less yards than Emory Jones threw for it last year, but he had the offensive line. He had an elite stable of running backs and he had, well, I mean, obviously the elite defense, which is a, a factor in all these teams, but hypothetically speaking, the university of Florida would be just fine without getting a quarterback one year, not as a habit, but for one year, if they loaded up on the offensive line and then just handed the ball off to a stable of very good running backs. Um, but we're not talking hypotheticals, Dustin. We're talking about the reality right now. But that was just to give us a, a good baseline understanding for our preferences. 
And with those preferences in mind, let's go ahead and talk about the reality and the Gators class yes. of 2023. So, I mean, right now, Florida's class, as you know, I just got through telling everyone how much I hate the ranking systems, but I mean, the fact is Florida's class is, is ranked 28. Of course, that means precisely zero because Florida's class is going to nearly triple in size between now and the time to sign on the dotted line in either December or February, depending on what the recruits want. Uh, nine recruits in the class, you can take 25. So again, Florida is nowhere close to done. The class was consisting of only six players a week ago. And as I said at the top of the show, in the week that has happened since, Florida has had uh, a record of three and one on the recruiting trail. We'll go in chronological order, Dustin. And with all that I just said about the trenches, you know, football starts in the trenches. It's a lot of scrimmage league. Everyone from Will Muschamp to Urban Meyer to Spurrier to Napier have all said the same thing. And obviously we – you know, agree with them because we watch football ourselves. Uh, and so it's with that in mind that the first commitment that Florida has gotten in the last week is up for our analysis. And that was Isaiah Nixon. He was formerly a commitment of the central Florida golden Knights slash Citronauts until he realized that he had interest from a better program and decided to flip to Florida. So Dustin, Start with Nixon. What stands out to you about him, and why are you so excited about him? Yeah, Isaiah Nixon is really good. Um, you know, he's a four-star uh, edge. Um, he also has the the capability to play um, linebacker. Uh, probably that. You know, you think about the the Mike Willen Sam that that strong side linebacker who who is typically on the line of scrimmage, depending on the specific defense that Florida runs. But I, I like the guy a lot. I mean, he, he has good hands. Um, he's he's lean. He's quick. Um, he's certainly a specimen in terms of uh, of when he camps. Um, the one thing that, that I want to see him work on is I want to see him work on his strength. Uh, if he gets in the weight room and he continues to improve in that area, which he will, you know, being part of the University of Florida, um, assuming he signs, Mark, Mark Hockey is going to take great care of him. He's going to improve in that area. He's going to get stronger. But assuming he builds on his 6'4", 215-pound um, frame, I think he's going to be a force to be uh, reckoned with. He, I mean, I mean, looking at him, um, I think he has better high school tape than even guys like Ja'Kai Polite, for example. Um, did I, I, I think he, he's, he's natural, uh, looking at his film. Um, I think, I think he's definitely somebody that, that will develop into, um, an all sec type of, of edge rusher. And I'm very thrilled that he decided to be a Gator, at least, at least in terms of his commitment, we have to always preface with that. Well, of course. I mean, that's that's the obvious caveat to every commitment, ranging from Tim Tebow to Ronald Powell, everyone in between. Um, but, yeah, I mean, first of all, to any Central Florida fans listening, uh, just, just a quick disclaimer. This is why Florida and Central Florida are not on the same playing field. I mean, you know, yeah, you can, you can keep your meaningless bowl win. Congratulations. But just know that whenever Florida wants – 
to take a player away from Central Florida, Florida will take that player away from Central Florida unless the kid is either a legacy or he grew up like three doors down from Gus Malzahn, unless there's some kind of deep connection there, whoever Florida wants to take away from central Florida, Florida will take from central Florida. So enjoy that little pirate bowl win. We'll enjoy the eternity of that. Who we want to take. We will take reality continuing to play itself out and we'll see you in 24, 30 and 33. Second of all, more importantly, Nixon is far more than just that little bragging right continuing to play itself out. So you mentioned the tape. I mean, that that tape obviously got the interest of people who are paid to evaluate the kids on college football staffs. I mean, he got offered by Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Auburn, USC, LSU, Penn State, Miami, Utah, many, many, many more. And he has a knack of just blowing by offensive linemen. That is just so, to me, it screams playmaker. I mean, the, the way you, you talked about Ja'Kai Polite. I mean, Polite in 2018 made plays. I mean, you talk about the play where he just knocks the ball out of DeAndre Francois's hand. I think Francois was the quarterback in 18 for FSU. Yeah, he was. He, he just comes around the edge and just knocks the ball out of, out of Francois's hand. Um, I mean, he, he just has a nose for the ball and he has a way of making things happen. So obviously, you know, talk about caveats that have to be inserted for every single player. Obviously high school tape is going to only show the best of these types of plays. So we're not going to see plays where he doesn't do that, but the scouts are all saying, yeah, the kid just does that a lot. Like it's not just something that is only on his tape. There are plays where he'll blow past the offensive lineman. He'll get into the backfield and the play just goes the other way. So he doesn't get to do anything, but he's, he's always beating his guy at the line of scrimmage. So definitely a, a great take there for Florida. Um, Honestly surprised that he was committed to central Florida for as long as he was with so many, so many offers to to better schools. I mean, obviously there's the issue of, well, where can you play the most? Where you have the better chance to play probably better at Central than it is at Georgia or Alabama or USC. But I mean, with so many other offers like that, I'm surprised he was committed there as long as he was. Um, second of all, or I should say second in the line came Gavin Hill a local product out of Gainesville. Dustin, what do you make of this defensive lineman that Florida got? Yeah, Gavin Hill's a special one. I'm sure many of y'all saw the video circulating on social media of Billy Napier calling Gavin's father and letting him know how proud he is of the young man. And, and man, <laughs> I think we j- I just have to stop for a minute, man. You know, we'll we'll see how how great of a coach is. What we'll see we'll see the coaching prowess of Billy Napier in the fall. But man, the guy's so genuine. What a what a what a great guy we have in our in our head coach. Um, but we got we got a four star defensive lineman. Um, he's he's probably gonna play three technique. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised as he. Um, as he as he grows, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he played nose, but I think he's more of a three technique. Um, uh, 
according to 247 Sports, he's the 259th national uh, player in the country. Um, he's athletic. Uh, I mean, he is a big guy, uh, but I like his athleticism. He's powerful. And something that I think is incredibly impressive about him is he plays both sides. Um, when he camped with Florida, he also took some reps at tight end. So I'm not saying that he's a guy that's going to play tight end at Florida. Um, if we need Gavin Hill to play tight end, then I think we have some more issues uh, on, on the team than uh, than trying to figure out where, where this great defensive lineman is going to play. Or, but, man, I like Gavin Hill. Um, and the fact that he's a Gainesville product, I think it just means more. You know, you talk about that statement uh, – you know, being the, the moniker of the SEC, it just means more. But when you're a Gator and you've you've been a fan your whole life, you've, you've grown up going to the, the games, um, he's living his dream. He's going to be uh, a football player for the University of, of Florida, playing the sport he loves, going to the school that he's always dreamed of going. So this is certainly a special uh, moment for him, and I think he's going to be a core leader on this team moving forward. So, certainly excited about Gavin Hill, and and uh, I, I look forward to hearing what you have to say, Neil. Well, I mean, you made two great points that have to be echoed. Number one, you're talking about it; it just means more. That was exactly the line that I used to describe uh, Jack Pyburn, the the Bulls kid from Jacksonville, when he committed because he's also a Gator fan, and 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 grew up a Gator fan and is now playing for his childhood favorite team. So he was someone that I said, yeah, he's going to be able to step in and he's going to have the natural motivation of, of, you know, living his dream. It just means more to him. And, and so now you're, you know, taking that and using it for another kid who I think is, is very accurate to, to use it on and also a defensive lineman. Um, and then there's the, the, the weird statistic that, uh, I mean, you're talking about him playing tight end in high school, which goes to show his athleticism. But remember that Florida's had two guys make that switch already this offseason with Dante Sanders and Noah Keeter making the transformation from defensive line to tight end. So like you said, Hill definitely does project much better on the defensive line than on the offensive side of the ball. But the athleticism that he brings to the table is obviously – demonstrated by that tight end tape in high school. He also plays basketball in high school. So there's another feather in his cap um, of athleticism. And I mean, he, he's a kid that, like you said, um, you know, coming out of, out of Buchholz, uh, it does mean more to him as, as a Gator fan, his whole life, the offer that, that Billy Napier extended to him uh, and, and to his dad through the phone call was just awesome to see. It's not really a surprise that he committed to Florida. I, I wouldn't say Nixon was a surprise either, but with this duo, we're talking about, you know, the needs and talking about Philly needs and how football starts and ends in the trenches. You, you got to use present tense because there's still a long way to go. And there's still more players out there that Florida has to land to say that they have done this in the past tense, but Florida is in the process of addressing that need on the defensive line. They are currently addressing that present tense. They are, they're working on it. It's, it's in progress right now. Talk about the guy we just landed. What? Four days before, uh, four, three, three, four days, three days, four days before, um, with Isaiah Nixon. 
and then we get Gavin Hill. Florida got another defensive lineman here that is a baller, that he just knows how to make things happen. He a little different um, type of guy than Nixon. He's not quite as quick, I would say. Uh, not quite as fast, not quite as 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 bursty, I guess. Like, you know, quick burst of speed. He's not, he doesn't quite have that burst, but he's strong. He's quick enough. Definitely has good play recognition. Knows for the football still there. The, the scouts that watched him are all talking about how he makes the critical tackles. Like, you can watch his game film and say, oh, nice play. Oh, cool. Nice technique there. Nice pad level. Nice move. Nice pass rush move there. The, the 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 tape doesn't have score bugs like they don't have the score of the game the quarter the time that's left in the game we don't know where in the game they are as we're watching each play unfold so for all we know in theory any high school tape we watch could just be of a kid making plays in mop up time with a game score being 59 to 3 like we don't know that the scouts who watch him weekly all say he makes the critical tackles. He's at his best when the game is on the line. When the game is most in doubt is when you see him show up the most. That is what I really love to see on the recruiting trail because you know you can have all the kids with all the speed, all the 40 times, all the strength, all the verticals, all you want. But this is a kid that has a long history now of making plays when it matters most. I mean, uh, Buchholz went to the semis of Florida's 7A state tournament, which is, I mean, not the best football, but still, still pretty good. And he was at the center of it. He, he forced a fumble, I think, uh, in the in the second to last game to get them there. And he had several critical TFLs. They said um, that this is from 247. He had several critical TFLs to help get them there. So definitely something you'd love to see uh, in terms of getting kids who make plays when it matters most. Um, that puts Florida at 2-0 and on the week. The occurrence that came next on the trail is the one that a lot of people are, are still fixating on, and I, I think semi-rightfully so. Um, before we get to that, I'll say two quick things. One, Florida did not offer Jaden Rashada $11 million. Miami did not offer him $9 million. Those numbers are not accurate. Those numbers are not close to accurate. Those numbers are wholly false. And if you see someone attempt to persuade you otherwise, I, I would just ask you to ask yourself why it seems so important for this person attempting to persuade you to believe it. And second, the Gator Collective is, is at the heart of the criticism because Florida couldn't land Rashada. And to that, let me just quickly explain something. The Gator Collective isn't meant to do that. The Gator Collective is not intended to serve as this virtual bottomless wallet. It, it's not this, this bottomless Venmo account that can just pay high school kids ridiculous numbers of money or any money to sign a letter of intent to Florida. It's not a Gator-funded cash app. That's a recruiting violation. That's against the law. The Gator Collective isn't going to do that. The Collective will not sign deals with high school athletes to get them to come to Florida. Anyone that does that, any school lawyer, whatever, they're breaking the law. So what the Gator Collective does do 
is it helps connect the fans with the athletes in ways that they haven't ever been connected before, such as through podcasts like this one. We had Lorenzo Lingard on last week, for example, uh, sets up events like the Gator Fan Fest, where you can go hang out with them. It helps set up uh, events in the community. It helps set up real NIL deals for current student athletes who are already enrolled at UF. That is its purpose. So I'm, I'm going to ask this as, as politely and as nicely as I possibly can. Please, please don't do that thing where you criticize an organization when you don't even know what it does. So that said, um, Florida did not get Jaden Rashada, as we are all very, very aware of by now. Time to talk backup plans. The way I see it, Florida has a couple of options, not a ton, but of, they have they have a few. So, Dustin, where what would your primary uh, preferred method of operations be going forward for Florida at the QB position this class? Well, Neil, there's a guy that, that I mentioned on Twitter a few times. Um, he's a guy that got an, they received an offer from the University of Florida back in March, and he's a guy that, I, in my opinion, based on his tape, based on his his stats. Um, oh, don't say Dante Moore. He, yeah, Dante really? Moore. Yeah. I don't think Florida has a shot. Well, you, you might be right in that in that in that assessment, but. We didn't really have a shot with Kamari Wilson either, but things changed. And if things can change with Kamari, then it's not likely, but things could potentially change with Dante Moore. There's a lot of time between now and December, or even now and February 2023. And if he's the guy that Billy Napier has assessed would be the best fit at quarterback, I don't care where he's visited. I don't care what relationships he's already built. If Billy Napier thinks that's the guy he wants to get, then I believe Billy Napier is going to make an effort to get the guy he wants. Um, in my opinion, now I'm not Billy Napier. I'm not going to claim to be Billy Napier. And who knows? Um, you know, we haven't even seen – what this offense is going to look like um, in full. I mean, we have glimpses. We saw what he did with Louisiana. But the type of quarterback that he wants may be even different from what we've seen in the past. Um, but from what I see, from what I can tell, um, I think you gotta, you got to do it. you got to go for it. you got to go for Dante Moore. The guy's really good. And I mean really good. Uh, he's the kind of guy that if we can snag him, he'll completely change this recruiting class. So that's who right, I so that's, I know you're going to mention a few other guys. That's that's who I go for. So that that's your primary course of action. And I, and I kind of agree with all that you said after you responded, Dante Moore is my primary preferred course of action for Florida. So – what happens when you offer Dante Moore, you, you increase the pressure on him, and he turns you down? Then what do you do? What's your backup plan? What would you say the backup plan is? Well, uh, my or I guess what your backup plan is will be my primary plan. I, I wouldn't even waste time on him. 
I send him a text. I'd reach out. I'd establish some contact. If he doesn't respond, let it go. Florida has better chances, I think, at, at two guys or, well, one guy who's committed elsewhere, one guy who's leaning elsewhere. I think Florida has a better chance at someone like Dylan Lonergan, who just postponed his commitment, who's been kind of penciled in as a South Carolina guy. But who knows? I mean, that, that could change. And then we've got Marcus Stokes out of Jacksonville, who's currently committed to Penn State. So that's a niece kid, by the way. That's where Tim Tebow went to high school. So, you know, maybe that plays some kind of factor in it. But Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So I, I would I would definitely and, – and that's a recruiting pitch too. Like you can say, hey, remember the last time that a niece kid came to Florida? And just let that sit there. Let that linger and let, let that do its own work. So I would go with after both of those two guys and – I, I, th- I have to think if you really, really go for it with both of them, I have to think one of them will at, will at least come to visit Florida. I mean, Stokes doesn't even have a Florida offer. So maybe if he gets that offer, he suddenly grows – or his interest in Florida suddenly grows leaps and bounds. Lonergan does have a Florida offer. Um, he doesn't really seem to have much interest in Florida, but he does have the offer – Maybe if, if you really up the pressure on him too, maybe you get him to think twice about kind of leaning towards South Carolina. The fact that he did push his commitment back does tell me he's certainly looking at other schools. I do not know if Florida is one of them that he's really looking at, but I mean, the extra time does give Napier a shot to reach out and, and at least see what happens. So those would be my two go-to options um, for Florida on the trail this this cycle. And and if you know what, if neither of them commit, I don't really see another QB out there that's worth you know using a take on. Use you know worth a spot because Florida's got projects all on their roster right now with guys like Max Brown and and Kitna. Um, and, and I just don't know that you want to add another one to the roster. I mean, there's always a chance that like a, a two or a three star winds up becoming the next Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, you know, both three stars or even a two star gem like a Kyle Trask. But the odds are just so, so heavily stacked against that, that I would just go portal if I were Florida and, you know, and see who's available there. So that's the QB position for Florida. Um, Last but not least, Florida did finish off the week with a W to go three and one, as as mentioned at the top of the pod. Florida went two and one with their first three announcements. And then on Monday night, the Gators got Sharif Denson, another Jacksonville kid, talking about Stokes coming from Nice High School. This kid, um, different high school, but another Jacksonville prospect that is committed to the Florida Gators. His family, all Gator fans, he's a Gator fan. He grew up a Gator fan. He made the business decision to commit to Florida. So that's commitment number three of the week. This is a cornerback that chose Florida over Texas A&M, over Ohio State, over South Carolina, over FSU. He has a bevy of other offers, including Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Georgia, Miami, Auburn, Michigan, LSU, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, many, 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 many more. And 
chose Florida. So, Dustin, this is a, a cornerback that Florida got to really sort of break the ice in, in the secondary for this class. So, so tell me what you think about him and what you see him doing down the road for the Gators. Well, Neil, I got three things to say. First thing is going to be two words. Corey Raymond. That guy is the GOAT in terms of cornerback coaches. I mean, you look at I – mean, we've already talked about him in our breakdown of, of uh, staff members on, on this great Billy Napier coaching staff. Um, but I have to tell you, I like this recruitment. Look, Sharif Denson is awesome, okay? I like his size at uh, basically six foot, 170 pounds. He's only going to continue to get bigger. But what I like about him is this guy is fast. He's freaky fast. Um, so much so that he was not only the team's uh, star corner, but he was also kick returner. Guy has great hands. He catches the ball. Um, I would, I mean, he camps like a legend. Okay. His, his tape looks really good. The only reason why this kid is in a five star from, in my opinion, is because he didn't put out a lot of tape for his sophomore year due to an injury to his meniscus. Um, but I would not be surprised if he moves up, uh, 50 or 60 spots, um, over his, his senior season, when he's able to put on tape and allow the scouts to see him during his senior season this year. This guy's great. And I want to hear more about what you have to say, but one of the things that gets me incredibly excited about Sharif um, is not only him, but his relationship. He's super close to Cormani McLean. They actually do seven on seven together. So you think about seven on seven, you got two cornerbacks, one is Sharif Denson, and one, and on the other side, you got Cromati McLean holding down the seven-on-seven seven league. Think about that. These guys, these two guys are working together. They're getting better together. They're training together. They've built that connection. This is super huge. And to further convey that point about his relationship with McLean, he's already tweeting out at McLean. I'm not trying to say something, but I don't think that Denson is going to be tweeting out at McLean if behind closed doors there hasn't already been discussion about what this recruitment could look like. Well, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll pump the brakes on your excitement a little bit. Uh, first of all, the numbers, I think, are a bit inflated. I think he's, his official listing is, is 5'10", 160, not 6 feet, 170. Maybe he's grown since then, but the last official measurements I saw were, were 5'10", 160. The speed is ridiculous. Absolutely blowing away ability on the, on the, on the field. I mean, he, there, there's a play on his huddle tape about a minute or so in Probably uh, even less than that, I think. Uh, where he's he's up in press coverage. There's a running play. The linebackers completely pull their assignments. The running back goes right through the lane, and it's a touchdown, or at least it looks to be. Before McLean disengaged, or not, you got me excited about McLean. Um, before before Denson disengages 
and he just takes off in a foot race, and he flags the guy down from 10 yards behind him. I mean, the running back has at least a 10-yard head start when you when you factor in um, – I mean, it, it's at an angle. I think he's like six or seven yards down the field. McLean is about probably three or four yards off to the side. And Denson, three or four yards off to the side. God, you keep me – you get me excited, Dustin, about the possibility <laughs> of McLean. But get Denson, Denson <laughs> is probably – about 10 yards away from flagging the guy down at an odd angle. And he tracks him down about 30, 40 yards downfield. That's unreal with, with the guy at your 45 yard line, you're 10 yards behind him for you to catch him is ridiculous for a running back. Mind you, not an offensive lineman who's not supposed to run or, or a quarterback who happened to, find himself in in green grass no field no a running back he tracks down with at least 10 yards separating them at the start of the chase uh, i mean everything else is good it's not like that's a lone strength of his uh you know of an otherwise mid corner no everything else checks out um and the physicality is there he can play press coverage he's a very good tackler in open space i mean he uses his speed very well he flies around He's pretty trustworthy to make tackles uh, pretty much anywhere on his half of the field. He's just a baller. I mean, I, I use that phrase a lot, but that that's that's what the kid is. Um, fast, physical, he's smart, he's got good play recognition. Ball skills are are very, very good, borderline great. I wouldn't call them elite. They're 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 definitely a strength of his, but not completely popping off the film level. As, as Jason Marshall's were, but still very, very good. And he can get a little bit better at them still with, with time between now and when he is going to be playing for Florida. Um, he's, he's a baller. That, that's just the simplest and, and quickest and easiest way to put it. This kid is a baller. And do not be surprised if he is the next in, in, a, in, a, in a growing line, really, of, of day one true freshman starters for Florida. You think about Florida didn't have – many guys do that. I mean, Janoris Jenkins was the unicorn in that sense, but now you're seeing a line of them like, you know, CJ Henderson, Marco Wilson, uh, Jason Marshall, Kyer Elam. We're all starting as true freshmen. This guy could very well be the next one in, in that line. So huge pickup for Florida and, and, you know, a nice little middle finger to Texas A&M and all that oil money they've got at their disposal too. Hey, I don't know about him starting at corner. Um, especially with how loaded we already are, um, and assuming we get Cormani. Um, but I like him at kick returner. I think he might be a good guy to have on kick coverage, or, the, or kick returner, I should say. Well, kick return I, isn't I really a thing excellent. anymore in football. But may, All right, so maybe he won't start at corner right away. Maybe he'll start at, at slot or nickel or something. Um, but he'll he'll see the field. He, he is too talented oh, not definitely. to. Definitely. As as a freshman, as a freshman, I, mind you, not I agree with you on that. Road. As a freshman, he will play. Yeah, definitely. Because Napier doesn't do the seniority thing. Nope. So if you're so you, if you're a good player, you're going to get on the field. Yeah, so that's that's him. That that puts Florida at at three and one on the week. Uh, definitely a, a productive week for the Gators. They they took more W's than L's. On top of the other four guys that we discussed, Florida also got commitments this past week from long snapper Gannon Burt and running back Jackson Wade. Those guys will be preferred walk-ons for the Gators, but I mean, Wade can run a 
4.3940, I think it is. He, I mean, the kid can fly. So, and, and long snappers are always going to be needed. So, definitely a pair of nice supplementary pickups for the Gators there. The Rashada one was irritating, but you know it is what it is. And Florida's got to move on right now. So, Dustin. I, I still think it's too early. I don't really love making predictions in June or even July or even August for that matter as to how the class will finish up. But, I mean, you talk about Cormani McLean. We talked about the, the, the plan B at quarterback now. Really, I mean, you can call it plan C if you want to include Arch Manning in Florida's plans uh, at quarterback. I mean, if you don't, then it's, it's still plan B. But it, it is not Florida's preferred plan at quarterback. But – something Florida will still have to do nonetheless. Um, the offensive line, the defensive line, still a lot of good guys out there. Derek LeBlanc is going to be committing soon. Peyton Kirkland is going to be committing July 23rd. So he'll be committing soon. A lot of guys still on the board for Florida. W- what dominoes are you looking to fall next for this Gator class? I think that there's a lot of dominoes that can fall. And, you know, as we as we get closer to December and as we um, as we kind of see the how, how the visits are going, I think I think the season's gonna gonna play a big role in um, in some of the players that we get. I mean, the product in the field isn't one hundred percent what matters, but it's a huge part of it. Um, you know, every analyst like to talk about the the bump class, and that's exactly where we're at right now, and successful coaches that win championships typically have an elite bump class and you know billy napier is putting together um elite interest i'm not saying we're going to land uh many of the players that are interested in florida because these four these players happen to also be interested in alabama georgia texas a&m miami usc um but the interest is there. And if the interest is there in many, then the desire to commit is going to be there in some. And that's what's exciting. Um, you know, as far as, I mean, you, you look at names like uh, Kirkland, um, you look at guys like Mauga um, alongside the, the guys you already named. Um, and then as far as, far as running back, uh, I'm excited about Webb. Um, now, who also just not pushed as, his commitment back, by the way. He did. Now, he's yeah. not as high on the Gators as uh, was once believed. Uh, but I I think Florida is still the team to beat in his recruitment. Um, mm. you also they're going to have a hat on the table. I wouldn't say that they're the team to beat. What, what makes you think that? Um, again, like I said before, uh, he, he's not as high in the Gators as he once was, um, but I still think that uh, with Jabbar Jaluk and the, the whole recruiting staff, I think that uh, I think with the product that's put on the field and what he's able to see now, I mean, he is committing before before the season starts, um, but I, I expect I expect Florida to be a major player in that. I'm also excited about Baxter. Um, I'm, on some sides, Baxter's the number one uh, running back in the nation. And as you just said, um, as you mentioned for Webb, Florida is certainly going to be hot on the table. Florida does have some room to make up for Baxter. Um, but 
I have to feel pretty good about landing at least one of them. I think Baxter is a horn, but well, I guess we'll see. I mean, Jabbar Luke is definitely going to have something to say about it. Te- remember, Texas has a very good running backs coach too, at least in terms of recruiting um, to Shar Choice. So that that that's going to be hard for Jaluk to overcome. But I mean, we'll see. Like you said, we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I'm of the mindset again that there is no better sales pitch than on-field results. I mean, if Florida goes ten and two, this class skyrockets. If this, if Florida goes four and eight, the class completely implodes. I mean, I'm sure you'll keep, uh, you know, like a guy like Denson, who's always been a Florida fan, who can say, "Yeah, it was just one bad year." But the the interest will go down very quickly for a lot of different guys if Florida completely falls apart and has a terrible year. And the opposite, like I just said, also true. Florida has a great year, shocks a lot of people. You'll see a lot of guys turn their heads and go, wait, maybe I should rethink this commitment. Maybe maybe I should I should respond to those texts from guys like Corey Raymond and William Piegler um, and Jaluk and, and, you know, all the other assistants that are doing – Doing work for Florida, which is not something that we can say about the previous staff, unfortunately. But I think that's a good place to call it for now. I don't anticipate any announcements in the next couple of days, so that's why we did the pod now. Um, got a nice week for the Gators in the, in the rearview mirror. Got a lot to look forward to. Dustin, um, as the season g- grows closer, we will have all kinds of different uh, pieces of content coming your way from the all kinds of weather forecasts. So definitely be sure to look for that. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review helps with all kinds of algorithms. Then we really appreciate that. And um, I mean, Dustin, because of all the loss of Rashada, I don't know that it really, really merits it, but Florida did get better unquestionably this past week. Uh, assuming the commitment stick, which is you know always the caveat on the recruiting trail, but we'll we'll assume that that the three guys we got over the last week will stick. Florida will sign them all. They will suit up for the Gators and play for us on Saturday. So with that in mind, floor is yours, man. Go for it and, and uh, send us off. Yeah, Neil. Um, as is on brand in all kinds of weather, we all stick together for F. L-O-R-I-D-A. Go Gators! And yes, that was a Gator Trout.